Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, this is Richard and Linda Ayer. We're back with Ayers on the Road. Welcome. We're glad you could join us for another episode of Ayers on the Road. We're on the road, literally. We're down in St. George, Utah, a beautiful community in the southern and western corner of Utah. For those that aren't in this area, it's a desert, and it's a lovely place to be in October and November particularly. Yes, because it's so nice and warm. We don't get the gorgeous leaves down here that you you get in other parts of the world. We have a friend who's up in New Hampshire today. We're jealous. That's the best. But (laughs) we love this place, and we're down here because Richard always plays in the Huntsman World Senior Games. Oh boy, I do. I'm addicted to these senior games. You know, they. I'm. I'm on the continual quest for the fountain of youth. <laughs> <laughs> and and both of us were creaking around this morning and laughing at each other because it's not really very evident. But but you should know, listeners, that Richard just won um, the gold medal and singles. In tennis, he's quite a tennis player. Well, come on, I, was, I just got a little lucky in the final yesterday. But I do have a good partner in the doubles, and we're playing for the gold in the doubles today, too. So will I be a double gold medal winner? That's the question of the day. I don't know. I had to laugh yesterday before that thing, before the match. He said, I just hate those silver medals. I just, <laughs> I just want They might as well medal. just say loser on them, you know. <laughs> I got all the way to the finals, and then I lost, so I got this loser medal. Yeah, well, it's going to be funny because we're... We're, they're playing a team today that's just about unbeatable. So well, you may be a loser, honey. That, well, hey, <laughs> don't even think about that. I, I'm optimistic, though. I, I know you have a really good chance. But it is kind of nice to be down here in the desert. There's something about the desert, especially when at our house in Park City today, it's snowing and it's a hard freeze. And people there are happy because most of them are skiers. But frankly... I'm glad we're not I'm there. So glad we're not there. Yeah. Um, anyway, we are enjoying being away for a little while and enjoying this beautiful weather, although it's nippy here too. I have to say. In the mornings, that's how the desert is. It's cold at night and hot in the day. But we're—I'm—I tell you, I don't know about you, Linda. I'm particularly excited about today's show. As you listeners know, at least if you're regular listeners, we're. We're going through the books we've written over the years and summarizing one each week just because we think listeners appreciate that and it will help you to know if there's books that would be useful to you in your family. But more than that, it becomes kind of a a pattern or a template for us to talk about the things we think are most important in, in parenting and in families because basically all of our books focus on that. And today we're up to the 11th book we ever wrote, and it's for us it was a a very, I don't think we can overstate how important a book it was for us because we were writing what we needed in our family and trying to explore how to do better with our children. And this is a book called Teaching Children Responsibility. And we wrote it at the time that our children were 
mostly in elementary school, and we just felt like responsibility was the key goal to have in parenting at that point in our life and in that point in their lives. I'm glad that we wrote this when we did because, let's see, the front cover looks like Josh is about 10. And uh, all of our kids were home. It is really so hard, so hard to get kids to take responsibility for things. This actually, this book has been through a lot of different printings and so on because parents really do struggle with it. Yeah, this is a book that's that's been in print for decades now, and we revise it a little occasionally. But the topic is timeless, isn't it? And I remember one of the things that happened um, during the time we were writing the book, and it didn't surprise us. There was a poll that came out that said, the big, what is the biggest concern of parents? Responsibility. To get my kids to act responsibly. I mean, it's just this huge word. And all parents are, have you ever met a parent that, that said, oh, I don't need that. I mean, my kids are totally responsible they just all, came all that the way. time. Well, they just came that way. Actually, there, there are a few kids that are more responsible than others, but it really is pretty If you've got one that's difficult. responsible as a natural state, um, you're weird. <laughs> you're, you're not a normal parent. That is not a normal child. No, honey. Think of Saren, our oldest. We we would lucked out. On well, our that's true. One. We did get pretty lucky. Yeah. With now our think first. about that. And she really was. She amazing. taught the other kids responsibility. Yeah, that's right. She was a we better give amazing credit, credit where credit is due. Yeah, you better quit. Um, you know, not talking about talking down parents have responsible children because there are some that come more responsible than others. And and when and, and still to this day one of our very most popular um, lecture topics or when we get asked to speak somewhere still right at the top of the list is a is a uh, we call it a presentation we call it raising responsible kids in an irresponsible world. And that's still one of the most requested speeches we give. It's just it's timeless. Children, I mean, the very nature of children, and, you know, three or four weeks ago, our first parenting book we co-authored together was called Teaching Your Children Joy, and it was written for parents of preschoolers because, as we, as we talked about, I think it was three weeks ago, joy is, should be the goal for little kids. I mean, let them have a childhood. They're preschoolers. Teach them how to be happy. Teach them how to to enjoy life and how to, you know, learn from them this spontaneous joy they have. But, but, but we were always aware, Linda, I remember as, as younger parents thinking, well, it's fine to teach them to be happy and it's fine to think about joy, but when they get to be five or six or seven years old, the whole goal of parenting should be to help them to become, to begin to become responsible for certain things. Yeah, and we, we actually think of eight as the epicenter of the time when kids can really, uh, really feel responsibility and know how to do it. Yeah, really comprehend what it is even. Yeah, exactly. And and it's amazing. They pretty much do. I mean, they're, they're okay, you know, when they're five, six, seven. But when they're eight, it is pretty amazing. Something magic happens, and they really do get grasp the concept of responsibility. Whether or not they are responsible is another point. But 
um, they can get it. Yeah, and so one of the tasks in writing this book was to figure out how to take a big word, responsibility, and sort of break it down into bite-sized chunks so that parents could work on it, so that it could be an offense. And um, we actually did a little preface that sort of talks about that that you might find interesting. Let us just read you just a couple of paragraphs that'll tell you where we came from in putting this together. Okay, this is what it says. Most parenting books take a problem-oriented, somewhat negative approach. They say, if you have this problem, try this technique to solve it. If Johnny does this, you do this. The implication is that parents merely react. Actually, the biggest problem parents have is that they're too often reacting and not often enough taking control and acting. If parents have no clear or specific objecti objectives for their parenting, all they can do is try to react properly. But if they have clear objectives in terms of what they hope to give their children, they can act, they can take the initiative, they can gain control of their family's destiny. And so it goes on. This is probably a different type of parenting book than you may have ever read before. It will help you to act rather than react. This is a book based on the objective of teaching children responsibility. It divides the objective into 12 types of responsibility and sets forth proven methods by which they can be taught. So you get what we're saying here, and we're going to give you some specifics. There are 12 ways to teach children responsibility that we're going to talk about today. And it, they're very specific ways. It's really interesting to think about being proactive and teaching your children responsibility instead of just waiting for them to be irresponsible and then trying to make it work. Um, I, I just think this was our biggest challenge as parents and as a couple because it's so much easier to do it yourself to you know to just take care of things yourself and not turn the responsibility over to the kids so we're taking a look at this book now and at the table of contents of it and um i think the the key thing you said is the number 12 linda yeah Number 12, wow, that's down the list quite a ways. But No, I'm just saying that there are 12, 12 kinds. And we felt like by this time we had gotten into this pattern of trying to give parents just one thing to focus on each month rather than say, oh, responsibility is so big. How am I going to cover it all? What do, I, what do I do? It's a big subject. So we wanted to have one kind of responsibility for each month. Let's just go through them because it's, it's useful to think about it. We thought you have to start out with teaching children to be responsible for obedience. If you don't have that, then nothing else will work. And then number two, the second month, if it was a calendar year, February would be... Responsible for things. They're things. That makes sense, right? <laughs> That's the biggest chore of all, getting the kids to put their stuff away. And then the month three, or March, responsibility for work, being able to take on a task and carry it out. Um, then the next one, responsibility for their actions. Boy, that is a big one. Um, there are some kids that just come with a sense of doing well 
and well, others. And you, and you can see how these build on each other because first they become responsible for obedience, then for their things, then for work, then for actions. And, and then, then for the number five, responsibility for talents and gifts. It's deciding who they are and taking and you know really working on the things that they that they have as talents, and then uh, month number six responsibility for a peaceful attitude. We'll get into that in the second half of the show, and then responsibility for choices, responsibility for character, responsibility for potential, and even responsibility for smaller children. And if you have an older child, there's a lot of smaller children that they can be exposed to. Yeah, they and can run into to those. wrap it up, responsibility for dependability and for contributing. So 12, the idea of the book was here's 12 different kinds of responsibility in a somewhat ascending order. I mean, basically, I mean, you could start anywhere on these and we did even suggest that you pick the thing you feel your kids need the most and start with that. But then you just build it and build it, and you only work on one kind of responsibility each month. And then the book is just full of methods, stories, role-playing, even puppet shows that sort of teach the child each of these forms of responsibility, hopefully giving them a sense that they're growing and that they're learning and that they're becoming adults in the process. Well... Well, though they're becoming more mature, not adults. You don't want. Well, they're moving toward adulthood. Right. Right. Um, but it is—it's fun in the process. We had a lot of fun with this. Some kids are easier than others, and it's pretty daunting to think about teaching your kids responsibility. But you know, it's thinking about—it's fun thinking back on it, though, Linda, because this was a breakthrough for us, not just in writing a book, but in our own family to to get up each morning and have each month where we had a clear goal, we're trying to teach the responsibility this month for taking care of your things. And we work on it all month long. And then another month, and now it's responsibility for work. So we hope you'll join us for the second half after this brief break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back talking today about the most difficult thing in parenting, teaching your children responsibility. <laughs> I really believe that. It is so hard to get these kids on board with what you want them to do because they just want to do their thing. <laughs> well, and there is just a quick story about this book. It's, you know, we had... We had written Teaching Children Joy and Teaching Children Responsibility, these two sort of companion books, Joy for Preschoolers and Responsibility for Elementary Age Kids. And we were doing them, they were published in a regional edition, and we were out doing book tours, traveling around the country, talking on media shows about these two books. And we were in San Francisco, and we were on a show called Good Morning San Francisco, and we got back from our the studio to our hotel room and the phone was ringing and it was the president of Random House, <laughs> the largest publisher in the world, saying, we'd like to buy that book. She she had she happened, just happened to see us on the show. She was from New York, but she was in San Francisco for business and turned on her TV in her hotel room, saw it, 
I think she liked you, Linda. She said, we want to buy that book of no, Linda's. I'm sure, I said, yeah. Well, I wrote it too. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, a long story short, uh, they, they took the book to New Heights, both books, Teaching Children Joy and Responsibility. And yeah, that was the beginning of a foray into national publishing, which was so great. I mean, it was just, we feel like it was a gift from heaven, just guided, because it was such a remarkable opportunity. Well, and I think that the thing that, that made it a bestseller, the thing parents liked, again, was this one one responsibility a month. I mean, it's proactive. It's an offense. It's not just reacting to your kids. You've got a goal. We called it parenting by objective. The big objective is responsibility. The, the monthly objective is one kind of responsibility at a time. And, you know, I, I love the way... Uh, it's organized well because we were facing these problems ourselves. And so each chapter starts off defining that kind of responsibility, telling a little story and so on about what it is. And then most of the most of the chapter is about methods. Here's a story that will teach responsibility for obedience. Here's a game you can play. Here's something you can do with your with your child who's five years old or whatever. And then there's all, remember, Linda, there's one focal point in each of these chapters, sort of one method that rises above all the others that you should make a part of your family. For example, in the first month of Responsibility for Obedience, the family focal point is laws. You set up a certain number of small, simple family rules or laws. And that becomes the, the thing that remains, the thing that's permanent in your family as you move on to the next form of responsibility. Right. We had fun with that. We started just adding up laws in our little family meetings. Every week, the girls, our little girls had something new to add. And we got, you know, we got far down the road. By the time our child was eight, she came to us one day and said, Mom, <laughs> we have 33 family laws. We have got to simplify. Even in the Bible, there's only 10 commandments. Come on. And so we did. We simplified it into five simple laws, and they were peace, respect, asking, order, and obedience. Those were our five laws. And then we had um, a consequence attached to each one. For each one. So I think the best thing we could do is to since we've got limited time on this radio show or this podcast, is give you just the family focal point, the single sort of method, the biggest method that becomes permanent in your family for each of these forms of responsibility. So month number two, responsibility for things. This is a funny one. The, the family focal point is a thing called gunny bag. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you better explain that because you were the original gunny bag. Well, I did it out of desperation. I, I We had such messy kids. Our house was a disaster. We had all these children just throwing stuff around. And one day, out of desperation, there was a laundry bag laying there. And I picked it up and I went and gathered up all the stuff that was in it and, and said... Gunny bag just ate your toys. He just ate them. And your clothes laying out. <laughs> and so Linda took you took it a step further. You took a, I think it was a different laundry bag, and you sewed eyes on it, and a, and the mouth was where the drawstring opens. And that guy, Gunny bag, the kids had a love hate relationship with him because they thought he was funny. And and eventually there, a song was developed called "Here Comes Gunny Bag." Gunny bag, yeah, yeah. yum yum yummy. 
<laughs> he eats leftover toys and keeps them in his tummy. Yeah. <laughs> but he would, boy, did that work. That really worked. That was amazing. We put him up in the uh, hall closet and said, no one can touch this until Saturday. On Saturday, we're going to dump this out, and you put your stuff away. But if you don't put your stuff away, it's going to go off to Goodwill. Or if Gunnybag eats it twice, it's gone. Yeah. He'll regurgitate once. Yeah, if it, yeah, you just take care of it. And what we found is we had a whole bunch of junk sitting around that really nobody wanted. Nobody so wanted it We anyway. just took it off, took it away. It really helped. <laughs> then the third month, responsibility for work, the family focal point is a, a simple economy where instead of an allowance, kids get paid for doing certain jobs if they do them on their own, if they take initiative, if they take responsibility and do it without you reminding and them. And this has now evolved into an hour and a half presentation all over the world. Yeah. People are so, for some reason, they're really, really interested in teaching their kids to take care of their money and to earn money and to feel like they own what they earn and then be able to spend it wisely. And month number four, responsibility for actions, the, co the, the simple sort of family focal point was some little codes that we were developing and put into the book that would remind kids to do things. For example, and one of them is, you'll remember this, we'd point it and we'd get the kids' attention and point at our, our eyes, and that was the symbol. Look around for what needs to be done. Yeah. Notice what needs to <laughs> be done. I forgot about that. So simple little codes instead of some lecture that would remind them. Then month number five responsibility for your talents and gifts. That's where we were developing this thing that we call a five-facet review, where the parents sit down once a month and analyze each of the kids and say, what are they? what is this kid really good at? Where is natural aptitudes? What does he struggle with? You know, five-facet, meaning how's he doing physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually, and that was the focal point for let's help these kids be responsible for who they really are. And it was also the focal point for um, doing so many different things. I mean, not just those five facets, but taking piano lessons and getting them in the flute and getting them to soccer and doing all those things and trying to figure out what their right. talents really were and then going with just the ones that they loved. Month six, responsibility for a peaceful attitude that's where gunny bag that's excuse me <laughs> i've got gunny bag on my mind that's where the repenting bench came in you know it's just a version of of time out which is something everyone knows but this is the double one where two kids are fighting or they're not peaceful they sit on that bench together and they don't get off that bench till they figure out what they did wrong well you can use two chairs or you could we had a official fighting bench we used to call it the fighting bench and then we changed it to the repenting bench you go and make up with each other but you can do a top stair you can do anything you want the instructions are in the book it turned out to be one of the best things that you know had. it makes you think linda a lot of the things we we still speak about today this this is the book where they were developed yeah you know that's true. month number seven responsibility for choices this is the family focal point is making decisions in advance helping kids to not wait until the moment of peer pressure or temptation, but to have a list they've made of things they've already decided. I will not smoke. I will not get in a car with 
a driver who's been drinking. I will. I will go to college, you yeah. know, positive ones as well as negative ones. And making a little contract with themselves and signing it. And it really is a powerful thing when kids are the ones that decide what they want to do and what they're going to do. And then they sign it and seal it. And really, we talk about it a lot. It is amazing. Month eight is responsibility for character. And in it, we developed some traditions, some family traditions that would just develop the family character. For example, on, on Thanksgiving, creating a list of what the family's thankful for and, and developing a gratitude characteristic within character and so on. And then month nine, responsibility for potential. It's where the family focal point is having a little goal-setting session each Sunday with each child where each child figures out what his main goal is for the coming week. Well, just to have the child meet with himself. I don't know if we got around to every child every Sunday, but it is a, another right. thing of changing the initiative from us to them so that they decide what they want. And then month number 10, responsibility for smaller children. Boy, did we have fun with this one. It's, it saved us. The idea of having a tutor and a tootie. <laughs> Older kids, when they were above eight, they were tutors. And the little kids were tooties. In fact, we have a son and daughter-in-law. They have one beautiful daughter. But they found ways to have her have, feel responsibility for younger children. She is so sweet with our younger cousins and so on. She, it really is an important thing, no matter whether you have one child or, or nine. But if you have two or more... <laughs> This can be really powerful, and I, I'm chuckling as I even think about it because you mentioned earlier, Linda, that we saw age eight as the sort of dividing point. And I remember when we'd have an eight-year-old come in and we'd, we'd sit her down in, in our office just with the two of us and her, and we'd say, guess what? You've turned eight. You're getting promoted. You are now part of middle management in this <laughs> we family. Did. We did. <laughs> You're now going to be part of the solution instead of the part of the problem. Your little sister, who's five, is going to be your... You're going to be the tutor for her. We want you to do everything from help her with her homework to cut up her meat on her plate and make sure she finishes dinner. <laughs> it was really fun to see them kind of take responsibility for their younger siblings. And then the last two, responsibility for dependability and for contributing... The family focal point is acts of service, helping at the homeless center or finding people in need or simply looking out for kids who are left out and helping them and stories and methods and so on about doing that. So, I mean, we've tried to cover a lot in just a half an hour, Linda, but responsibility is a huge topic. I mean, if there's one measurement on which you measure your parenting, it probably would be how much responsibility you're able to teach your children. I know. And some are easier than others. Some just take the ball and run, and others just sit there. <laughs> and it takes years sometimes to get this in action. But, but it is so important to teach responsibility. Especially in the Western world today, in the U.S. and in Europe and in, in developed parts of Asia, there's, there's a saying that really strikes home. We give our children license too early and responsibility too late. In other words, we let them do all kinds of things they're probably not ready for and, 
and we they, they want things and we give them phones we give them gadgets we give them access to so many things we give them license but are we giving them responsibility yeah, that's that, the key that's true and i think this book is on irish free books right if you can go to yeah. values parenting and just get it free online if you want more details irishfreebooks.com but we hope today has just been a kind of a review for you to kind of get you thinking i mean that's the whole goal of this radio, of this radio show or podcast get you thinking about your own ideas your own challenges your own children and maybe give you some stimulus to develop ideas to do it. So we uh, wish the best for you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Iris on the Road. Bye-bye. Bye. Talk to you next week. <laughs>